It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome on in to the final episode of No Shot Clock for the 2021-2022 high school basketball season. It's all over. We, we wrapped it up this weekend in Champaign. It was three days, which seemed a little longer than I thought it was going to, I guess. Uh, you know, it's just one day longer, but it felt a little bit longer than that. And uh, it was an interesting uh, weekend for sure. We're going to jump in immediately, talk about 4A. Go through kind of some of those games, the title game mainly, and then 3A, and uh, then kind of overall thoughts about this new, I mean, it wasn't, it was a lot of new, not just a new venue and a new town, but a new format, so it was, it was really different, but uh, how you doing, Joe? Uh, what'd you think of the weekend, uh, real quick? Yeah, I mean, it's good. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about that that shift, there was some major changes, you hit every session, uh, I was not at every single session as you were, so... You have a little bit better of a feel for comparison's sake of of over the course of the three days. Wait, wait, wait. Technically, what? I don't think I did. Oh, because you missed maybe some. <laughs> I didn't go to the third place at night. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, neither, well, neither did I anyone. Think, I don't think you missed that because <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's very many people there. I was, uh, I was thinking, I, did I go to every? Se- I think that was a different session, right? Yeah. I, I or they know. just. Let's just make it free. Anyway, I, I, um, <laughs> I'd love to see how many people, but if, I hope it is a different session so we can see how many people bought tickets. <laughs> well, I, anyway. I put in an email to, uh, a story I'm writing to see of the amount of tickets that were sold or the attendance figures. I don't know. I look back and the last time the IHSA released attendance figures from my past story I wrote when the same topic came up was 2002. Which is about the time, you know, soon after where it started to really start to crumble. I think I saw Peoria, the Peoria newspaper had something from 2006. Okay. So All maybe right. they requested that specially, you know, or something. Yeah. But... Well, I put in a request, so we'll see. Uh, you know, I, Mike, when I was watching the foray, and particularly the final, or going into the final, you know, this Glenbard West deal has been the story of the season. It just, it took over high school basketball and, and deservedly so. It's, it's a unique team that, you know, I, we've talked about, we've, we've, we've written about, we've podcasted about, and it is a unique team that did some things that are hard to do. And that the biggest thing is just basically running the table in Illinois. And in convincing fashion. So as I was watching, or as I'm not watching quite yet, as I was looking ahead to the 4A title game, I thought, wow, what a, two things here came to mind. One, what a, well, long story short, a shocker if they would have lost to me. And I think to a lot of people because they've been so dominant. And for them, if they just stub their toe and have one of those awful nights where it Things happen to to a basketball team, and you go through because I was thinking, Mike, and you could probably answer this possibly, but probably would need a little more time to research and do some homework and think about it. But when was the last time we had this big of a favorite in in particularly in four A? 
I, I I mean, it's... It was the Simeon Jabari Parker. Yeah, but I mean, they weren't... I went back, I 100% looked at those, and I mean, they weren't mauling people. You know, they beat Glenbard East in the semis by three. They... You know what I mean? It, it was just... Yeah, they weren't... But I, I did not think they were going to lose to Proviso East in any way. No, but that Proviso East team was probably better than any... Well, not probably. They were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, better than... Anyone you know, now. Yes. And so, and then, so that was one thing that came to my mind, is just how big of a favorite they had kind of emerged and developed into. Yeah. And the second thing was, you know, that Sierra Canyon, I was like, you know, just go undefeated and roll the tape. You're playing tough opponent. That loss now, because they dominated everybody so much, including the championship game, which was just... I mean, there's not a ton to talk about because they dismantled Whitney Young. It was a huge feather in their cap as a loss because without that game, you're kind of questioning, which I'm not questioning the legitimacy of Glenbard West, more so their, the talent and the, of the teams they played in Illinois over the course of this year because they weren't, let's face it, they just, especially the city powers, were nowhere near what they've been in the past. But it wasn't like this undefeated Glenbard West team and undefeated Illinois just kind of escaped and beat them. And they pretty much just crushed them all. <laughs> I they, they beat them all. They dominated, particularly the second half of the season. And I just, I, I think back, that, that Grand Canyon, not Grand Canyon, uh, Sierra Canyon game, like help them legitimize them even in a loss because that team was, that was a very, very talented team. But those were the types of teams that we've seen of super teams in Illinois, you know, go back to the Simeon teams or the great Morgan park teams or uh, the Julio Okafor Whitney young team, or the, you know, those are the types of teams that, you know, Glenbard West was not able to measure themselves up against, but to their credit, they just absolutely, you know, dominated the field in 4A over the course of, especially in the postseason and, and down the PR or Champaign. Yeah, and that's, I don't know if we should get into this now, or but that's the big question everybody's talking about and everybody's asking is where, I think it's interesting that a month and a half, or maybe two two months ago, nobody wanted to say that Glenbard West was a historically great team. Mm-hmm. We both said that on the podcast, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, it's shifted. And we said on that podcast that there is an opportunity to kind of, because that was before Sierra Canyon, that was before Simeon. I, I believe we discussed it right after the Whitney Young win. I believe it was that podcast. It might have been before it, but I think it was right after the Whitney Young, you know, so they had taken care of a team that was, you know, highly regarded. Uh, and, it led me to look, start doing, I'm going to do a little bit of, I'll do something with this at some point. Cause I did that story, Mike, you remember during COVID times where we had nothing to write about. And I did a whole massive decade thing, decade top 50 wins. I did uh best players of the decade and I did best teams of the decade. And I went back and looked at that article and the stories I'm using as a little bit of research and I've got them pegged. You know, and now I don't have it pulled up, but I had that Simeon team number one. I had, 
I believe Jaleel's Whitney Young team too. I had the Morgan Park team that actually lost, I think. I can't remember which Morgan Park team I had. Um, and then the Stevenson, Jalen Brunson team was like four or five right there. And I think that's about where they were in my mind, uh, which historically, now if you go f- way back, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, there, there's certain teams that, I the Peoria Emanuel teams and the Thornton teams when they went head to head were just phenomenal in the mid to late nineties. And they were just off the charts good. You know, the Donnie Boyce, Sherelle Ford, Michael Finley team provides a wees, the Jamie Brandon King team in ninety, the Richard Griffith, Thomas Hamilton, which a team I actually didn't like as much as you know, um everyone else did, but they were dominating it was very similar to this where that, that year in 94 or three, 93 or 94, the, uh, I looked at the, you know, the competition just wasn't measuring up. So are they in the discussion of a, you know, this, the business of them being the greatest team ever? No, <laughs> but they've earned because, and they're unique and different. And, and I know everybody's probably tired of hearing these three numbers. One three one, because it's been beaten to death. But it is a factor. It is a true, legitimate weapon that negates that, and that would negate so many of these really great teams. Some of them would have been different, like Morgan Park as an example. With some of those Morgan Park teams, they would have applied relentless pressure, nonstop, a lot of guards, some size with. With some guards, and I'm even talking even the the Charlie Moore, Kyle Davis, those teams and stuff. But you know, it, they're they're in the they're in the conversation with these great teams, though, is what I'm saying. Uh, are they among the all time best in Illinois? No, I don't think so because I think some of the past teams beyond even what we're talking about in the last decade are are, are even better. And there's some phenomenal teams in the state of history. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, I didn't know because we haven't talked about this, and I've watched a lot of people who, whose opinion I respect. They think that this Glenbird West team is, and I didn't know what where you were. I had no idea, frankly, where you were going to go. What your thought was, how much it had changed, um, what you believed. I, I guess this is going to be kind of dull, but I really agree with you, um, <laughs> pretty much one hundred percent. I do have a little. Doubt. I feel like it's unfair because I think there's maybe a chance that this Glenbird West team is better than I, than we, than we're saying and is one of the state's great teams, but we're never going to know because the state was so lousy. That's, that's, that's very true. So then you really got to look at through a, a specific lens. <laughs> uh, and that's what I mean. I, I mean, the overall talent player versus player versus the all-time great teams does not match up. It's, it's just, no. I know Braden Huff's going to Gonzaga. That's, that's terrific. I know they got another division one player and maybe a possibility of another one and, or two. So I, you know, low, but I mean, that's, that's not even a, and, and nor should it be the determining factor. I'm not saying that either, but they don't match up talent wise with the all-time great teams. That's just, that's clear as day. But 
there it's more than that it, we we know this it's a, it's a, it's a sport it's a sport that 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 demands certain things to to achieve greatness and they have all of that they have this aside from a difference making dominant individual star which Bradenhoff is close to being that with all the versatility it provides but you know he does not demand the attention of Julio Okafor he did not demand the game wrecking that Jalen Brunson uh, did. He didn't, you know, I almost envision him. I'm not saying he's the same player, but how Sean Livingston impacted, you know, the, the, the game without scoring. I mean, Sean Livingston didn't put up 20. I think he averaged like 16, 17, 18 a game, I think. Um, back for those Peoria Central back to back teams, you know, 15 or so years ago. But, and again, I can't go back to that one, three, one. It is a huge factor that that has to be taken into account because it is. I, I've talked to coaches about it that have played against it. I've talked to respected guys who have watched the games that were more of the generation of the teams that we're talking about in the past, and it was an all-time great defense in state history. And I wrote that in the story I just put out today, uh, Monday, that that is a difference-making defense, and one of the all-time great defenses, which puts you in the conversation of why we're even debating this, why we're even having the conversation. I just don't think – but, again, I don't – I mean, that in my Hoops Report history, which technically is the mid-'90s on of when I actually done this professionally – the best high school team I've seen is 1998 Whitney Young with Quentin Richardson. That was the, the I agree, yes. That is the most yes. dominant team I have seen. And then you go back into my younger years <laughs> where I was still, you know, whether it be college and age and and you've seen those teams too. Um and that goes back to the King teams and and then you can go into the 80s. I mean, before that Obviously, my one of my first times of ever watching a team was Quincy, but I was ten years old, and so I'm not going to be able to completely analyze Quincy versus this Glenbard West. But you know, a lot of people over the years have Thornridge 1972, Quincy ten years later, um, and then you know, take your pick from those East St. Louis Lincoln teams and King teams in the late 80s, and then it moves to those Peoria Manual, which I mean, I don't know how you you know, that's maybe the second best team with Marcus Griffin, Sergio McLean, Frank Williams after that Whitney Young group. Uh, and then the best team in state history in my mind that never won a state title were that was a Thornton team when they were all seniors. Melvin Eli, Antoine Randall, Eric Herring, Napoleon Harris. They were f- unbelievable. Uh, and they just ran into that, those Peoria Manual teams every single year in Peoria. So long winded answer. I think they, belong in the conversation of maybe like the next wave of great teams, but maybe not one of the top three or four. Uh, but to your point, it is very difficult because they never had to face, you know, a, a, a semi, a, for example, those Thornton teams, like that Thornton team had a measuring stick for three years and they fell short every year. But because they competed and battled against that team so well, I still remember. Now, 
you know, the difference is Glenbard West played these teams and just blew them out. I mean, look, think about it. They blew out Young twice. And it's the team that finished number two. It's a team that went through a tough road to get to Champaign and to their credit, made it to the state championship game. And they were, they were crushed. And we saw what they did to Simeon, even though that was a weird type of atmosphere in a game, but they did it. They went in, they won by 30. You know, it's second half of the season. Glenbard West, I know we had a d- debate, or not a debate, but a discussion where you mentioned, you know, they didn't have as much upside from the beginning of the season as maybe Glenbrook South because they had some players that still had a chance to get better. I, I kind of disagree. I just think that that one three win just got better and more effective and, 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 and Durkin settled in and became such a bigger weapon in the second half of the season for them. So I do think they were considerably better at the second half of the season. They were in November and December. Um, so anyway, I, that, that's I why I, to me it's a shame Glenbrook South didn't make it to state because then we could have seen that, you know. Yeah, and, and they whooped Young twice, so it didn't really matter. Yeah, Where watching yeah. them take apart Glenbrook South like they did Whitney Young on Saturday night would have been like total proof of that. Yeah, and, and I just don't think Glenbrook South is a team to, to to match up to to even gauge greatness, and no, no disrespect to them either. But, so, sorry guys, but you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, well, it's just, you know what stinks about the Sierra Canyon thing though too. That that's not good either. They went home and lost two games in like a yeah, month to California I, I, teams. I get that, Mike, but I, I I eyeballed that one. I've seen that. I saw that. That was a high level. That was the kind of game that we've seen. Do you know what I mean? When you and I have over the last twenty years gone to extremely high level high school basketball games, that that was it looked like a college game. It checked off every yeah. box. Yeah. yeah, it looked like a college. And I had some a num- multiple people told me that don't watch high school basketball very regularly that they yeah. turned it on, and to them it it was better than some college basketball yeah. they've been. So watching. I mean that yeah. game itself to me stands out more so now than and important to them that they actually played it. And uh, you know, again, I, I'm not disrespecting any of these teams. It sounds like I am that they played against. They, they just did not stack up. I mean, you can go through history. I, I mentioned the Proviso East teams that didn't win a state championship with Paris Lee and Sterling Brown and, and Javon Carter and Keith Carter. Those teams, I mean, they didn't win a state title. Um, and, you know, if let's, let's, let's sub in this Proviso, that those Proviso East teams and get rid of Glenbard West. Does Proviso East roll through the season this year? I think so. I, I think they beat up all these yeah, these that, teams that they would have faced. Yeah, there's not a doubt in my mind. Yeah. So, and yet that team didn't even make a state title, uh, or play or beat a, a team for a state championship. I think they lost to Simeon once. I'd have to go back and look. I can't remember those provisoly teams who they lost to. Um, so, and there's nothing Glenbard West could do about it. I mean, they went that that, and I'll make that point. They picked out all the best teams in Illinois that they could. <laughs> And possibly could possibly play. Three you know, A, one A. They, yeah. they played the one A state. They played the one A state champs. They played. They they went and played them all. The, the reason and, that does not. The reason I, I, I hesitate though, it isn't the defense. I think a lot of our great teams would have broken down their defense. However, with the way Glenbard West shot and was shooting. But during this playoff run at the end of the season, that's where my question comes in. I, I don't know. I think 
I mean, well, I think they were 13 of 29 from three against Bolingbroke and like five of 11 or something against, and these guys shooting them are not like anything we've ever seen before. They're too big. Well, not that only that, but they're the, and it's, it goes to what you're saying is the efficiency they played with all year. I don't know. I'd have to talk with Jason Opoka and ask him like what their shooting statistics were of their starting five in particular. Cause oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, they have to be ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, I, they and, have and who to. stops that? Even on the Whitney Young team, you know, they're big. They go with what, six, nine, six, eight, six, seven, but they didn't have to play anybody who was that tall and could shoot that well. Yeah. That, to me, that's unseen before in state high school history. So I, I just think it's a unique team. It's a great team. Yeah. It's one that deserves to be talked about. You know, if if you and I are still doing a podcast in 10 years, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I, 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 it's one that we would revert back to and we would say, you know, remember, you know, the Glenbard West team, of, you know, 2022, we, we, we would, it would be fresh in your head because it is, it, I mean, it is one of the, of the best teams. Yeah. I feel it's like I, I need to sit with it a little longer because the more I think about the shooting and the size, I yeah, think more they, than they, they just gobbled up rebounds. Yeah. The more I think they, about the uniqueness you talk about, that's going to give pro problems to these teams we're talking about. Cause they've, nobody's ever seen anything like it. And the unselfishness. Yeah. I, I mean, they just, yeah. I no, there, there are so many things and, and the other thing, I mean, this is one hell of a state for high school basketball history. <laughs> so saying you're not the best of all time isn't really a slap in the face. I, it just isn't. I, it's one of the greatest states of high school. It doesn't look like the part in the last five, six years. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. historically, I mean, it, it is. It is one of the greatest high school basketball teams you mean. You know, I remember those, that Quincy team. I mean, you had 6'10, Michael Payne, you had a 6'4 and 6'3 guard and Bruce Douglas. I mean, you know, there's certain things, but I, but that defense does do things to, it just takes you out of everything you want to do. You can't run your normal offense against it. You can't. You, you know, you're not going to run your normal man offense against, you know, you think about some of these great man offenses over the years. You think about certain, you know, I, I still think tr uh, big time transition teams. I think like the, the 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 up and down Westinghouse team of of Cedric Banks and the Baileys, and you know, would they have the relentless pressure and harassment? There's a lot of teams that don't do that, play that style anymore. Proviso, those Proviso East teams did, the Morgan Park teams did, uh, the Westinghouse team I just mentioned did. You know, Antoine Randall L and that Thornton team, full court pressure. I mean, that's what he did. The moment, you know, there just wasn't that type of of defense. And I'm not saying Glenbar West can't handle it. They just didn't have to really see it. Yeah, it's a shame. And that's the other thing that makes the – I'm just – I also feel like I never got to see Braden Huff really have to – you know that moment where – I talk about it all the time. A senior's career is on the line. It's the playoffs. It's like, I got to do this now. I am the best player on this court, and I'm going to dominate everyone. I feel like the couple times Braden Huff did step up, it was well, obviously at the end against Sierra Canyon. We saw you know, that little five-point burst when you thought the game was over, and he's doing it against you know some future NBA players probably. And then early, I thought, in the Whitney Young game, he asserted himself to make sure mm -hmm. they got off to a good start, and he was 
I mean, I asked Xavier Amos about it after the game because, you know, he was the poor guy having to deal with it and try to stop Braden Huff. And the way I posed the question, question to Amos was, to me, it looked like I was watching an NBA game and because of a rotation or an injury, you were forced to guard somebody that wasn't your position, you know, for the whole game. And it just, it didn't look fair. He was just, Braden Huff is so much bigger you know, and stronger and everything. And Huff could, or Amos could just do nothing with him. But the, the, the word that you're, those are all true. But the other thing is, Mike, the skill level of him, of, of Braden Huff, yeah. the footwork, whether it's in the post, I mean, he, talking about efficient, I mean, I, his shot attempts per game. I mean, you've done 10, 12 Glenbard West games. I, I'd love to know the most shots he took in a game. Yeah, and I mean, they all took kind of the most shots I'd seen in a while in the Bolingbrook game, which is kind of weird because they, I think, uh, I'm like, here, I got it here. Durkin was 10 of 16. Huff was 8 of 13. Um, and they kind of played most of the way. The Bolingbrook game was kind of good, you remember, to begin with? Yeah. Um, Bolingbrook did okay the first quarter, better than Young did, and kind of stayed in it. So yeah, but no, you're right. The, the efficiency is, and that's what, that's what I'm saying. I feel like, we maybe didn't see Braden Huff's top level. Well, his is the basket, not only the efficiency, but the timeliness. He would always kind of come up with that three that was, it could have been in the second quarter where a team's making a run yeah. and they think they're coming back from being down 10 and then Huff hits a three. Or, you know, the timeliness of his shots, the effectiveness of what he, I don't think the average fan realizes the impact he has in making all those around him better by just his presence and, and, and the fear of, of how he passes the ball. So, it, it, yeah. And then you think about all of the, like I say the only downer in anything, there's very little to be down about if you're Glenbard West. Is they were never involved in a epic game aside from Sierra Canyon. So, like what you were saying, they didn't have, I mean, and I'm talking about the state tournament or a big, super high profile game towards the end of the season. If the Glenbrook yeah. South game had been later, that could have had, it was great, but it was yeah, the I, second week of the season. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I just, it, it is hard to get juiced up, you know. Um, it was a Sunday in, in, in December as a yeah. Sunday game. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, Hey, there, 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 it's a phenomenal story that, uh, very rarely can I say, not that I'm pulling for them. I'm just saying very rare. We say like, God, would it have been a shame if that team didn't win a state title <laughs> and, and it would have, I mean, it would have been crushing devastating if that group that just dominate all year long just like stub their toe in a game and champ because it can happen we've seen it uh but not with team and to their credit they were they were dominant and they just continued on you know throughout their run we should probably move on but i just wanted to the last thing i'll we'll say about this in the semi-final against bolingbrook bobby durkin and Braden huff that's what a 611 guy and how tall is durkin now Six six. Six six. Yeah. So that's a six eleven guy and a six six guy shooting ten for sixteen from three. Yeah. Are we really sure that any high school team in state history could beat 
a team in a game with two guys that big go 10 of 16 from three? I mean, it's kind of a miracle that Bolingbrook was within 30 points. I mean, that's, yeah. that's nuts. That's nuts. Anyway. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, and, and Whitney Young, hey, I, I mean, I, I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but they're, you know, I think a lot of people wrote them off at some point this year, a time or two. Uh, and, you know, they have, you know, you're looking at a program that has a lot of hardware. <laughs> I know the programs like Young and Simeon, they're all about kind of one thing, state titles. And when, you know, where other programs are like a little, feel a little better about and they should they should feel good about their second place trophy but this is quite a run by young over the past i don't know i have to look back but at least a decade um you know of collecting these state trophies i know um probably back to 0809 i think was the first state title if i remember um I have to look that up, but anyway. Yeah, Tyrone Slaughter. Uh, I, there has been a lot of Twitter stuff about the, you know, Mike Irvin and Tyrone Slaughter. What they were talking about after the city championship game and stuff. And I think a, I mean, you don't want to overreact. But Mike Irvin was probably pretty right about the shooting, and that was part of the problem in the title game. You know, it, you're not going to be able to beat Glenbard West in that defense if you can't hit a three. Um, you know, that's just tough. But however, I did see Mike Irvin had some comments about how Tyrone Slaughter was handed Young's program, you know, because George Stanton had already built it and, um, you know, some other people there. But if everybody remembers where Young was at when Tyrone Slaughter took over. Well, they weren't doing what they're, they've done oh, it was, in the last 12 well, not, years. It was Ron Branch, <laughs> who was a nice man. But um, yeah. they, they were not – they it weren't – It was floundering. Totally. No, it was floundering, floundering 100%. And he is – and Tyrone Slaughter has taken – a lot of teams without future NBA players, you know, to state. He's not he's not the Jalil Okafor guy. You know what I mean? He he's done it. Yeah. Um you know, he, he took a, a team there before and won. Before Jalil Okafor, right? I mean Yeah. It's, you gotta give him credit for that. I mean, yeah, I mean one with uh, Marcus Jordan and uh yeah. Chris Colvin, you know, they were state champs. Um I guess uh, so, otherwise in four A the um Kind of Bar- overall, Bar- Bar- game. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a big time story, Mike. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you know, for what they did, we talked about on the preview of the pro- state tournament podcast where we, I kind of, you know, made fun of the sectional, not made fun of, just the, the, everybody was, it was Glenbrook South and then my new Trier Trevians that I picked. And I don't think people had, Rolling Meadows wasn't ready. They, could they have upset somebody in that sectional? Yes, but I don't think anybody thought they were going to beat Nutrier and Glenbrook South back-to-back. But for Barrington to kind of put it together and, and Will Grudzinski, I mean, I you talk about a, a, a kid that really came on, and that's what – and Daniel Hong in the backcourt, that the it wasn't – their performance – you know how sometimes you get a team at state, and like, yeah, 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 they got lucky or they came up with one big win or whatever. And then they, yeah, and they showed it. You know, they looked terrible. Barrington looked good. Uh, they, they, they showed they belong. They proved they could play with Young. Uh, they hit big shots on a big stage with very little experience playing in that type of setting or atmosphere. Uh, I should say no experience and held their own. And so Barrington out of the mid suburban league, a league that, you know, 
has not had a ton of postseason big time success. Uh, really shine down in uh, uh, Champaign. Yeah, that was fun to see. I thought, you know, Will Grudzinski was really good all year, and he was really good when I went to see them. I, I thought Daniel Hong was the one who had really improved um, since, I don't know, when did I see them, January or something? But I thought he was really excellent um, in the loss to Young. I, I think his numbers were, you know, maybe a little short of a low triple-double. I think it was like an yeah. 11, 6, and like 5 or something or whatever. But, yeah, and just the confidence and kind of his game had become a lot more dynamic. I thought he was a really interesting player. Um, I mean, I saw sure. Barrington in December, and at the game I saw, I wouldn't at the uh, Christmas tournament. I would not have thought they could win a regional. That's oh, how wow. Po- oh, wow. that's how po- that's how poorly they played. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> and then, and then I saw them uh, on a film game in January, and then I saw them in live against Rolling Meadows, and and then I was like, okay, they're they're gonna win that sectional. Um, and then lose to Glenbrook South or Nutrier. Yeah, but, looking back, that should have opened my eyes a little bit more. The win against Rolling Meadows in that mid suburban. Yeah, because they played really well. Yeah. I mean, Rolling Meadows did not look the part that game, but um, uh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, they lost to Hoffman Estates in January. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what kept them out of the rankings forever for a while. There. I guess yeah. I question here. I, something I was thinking about. Um, we haven't talked about them much yet. The Bolingbrook, except for losing. My question to Joe Henriksen, is Bolingbrook now the preeminent program in the South Suburbs? Well. Do you consider them West? We always have that geography. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're so Southwest. But... I mean, they're literally in the South Suburban West. Right. Conference. I mean, yeah. Uh... As a South Suburban native, I consider them a South Suburban school. If if, so. if they're a South Suburban, true, tr- I mean they've done the most lately. I mean, right, the last decade they've. But they go a different route every year than every one of those South Suburban schools that I'm talking about. Good point. I, you know, I mean, they're they go Joliet's route though, and we're clearly the South Suburbs. I mean, no, that's fine, but I'm yeah. saying you can't compare the two roads to get some hardware. I mean, the South, the true South suburbs, I mean, they've had a, I mean, Simeon's had to go through there in in the yeah. past. Uh, the Thorntons and the Blooms and the, you know, home at Flossmoors. It's just been a different animal. And there's nothing, I mean, I mean, Bolingbrook can't do anything about that. They, they play who they play and, but they have, you know, they've had a little bit of a, you know, let's face it, an easier road that they've taken advantage of. But if you're going strictly pure success, I mean, yeah, I mean, they've clearly got the most, uh, state trophies. It's not even, it's not even close. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And I don't think this year was easier because they had to play Oswego East. Yeah. I mean, I don't think again, there was anybody in the South suburbs that was significantly better than. Yeah. yeah with Thornton going to 3A and yeah, yeah I mean, it, and Simeon going to different to 3A. So yeah, it was And they it had was to go to ISU year. for the super, which has always been the tough thing. Yeah, and and you know, hey, look, everything that everybody takes advantage of, of situations and upsets and and that's it happens in the NCAA tournament, a team gets to the Elite 8 based on playing Oh, look, we got to the Elite 8. We didn't have to play a top 4 seed. You know, I, you you just do what you do as in front of you, but I I've seen normal Normal was the best team coming out of that sectional. And they got upset. They got beat uh, before, you know, 
And that was an, a plus for Bolingbrook. They played a Quincy team with sophomores, freshmen, you know. Um, so they, they, they deserved it because they went and they did it. But there are different, there's just different roads that, that all these teams are taking. And, um, but as far as the, the, the success again, I mean, Bolingbrook has had one heck of a run. Um, Trying to look up here. They, I mean, really since, you know, at 2000, they got two, well, they finished fourth this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, both got, of those three third place games went a little weird. Which third place? Oh, yeah, but that's for so your, yeah. This is worse than the, you, no one hates consolation games more than Michael O'Brien. Uh, the way this is set up, which we'll talk about, I guess, a little bit in a, in a few minutes about the champagne that's set up. I, I can't imagine a more horrible feeling than going to go play the third place game hours after you just lost. I mean, I, at least <laughs> in the past, you kind of regroup and come back the next day or I, that I man, come on, I, that would be. Yeah, but I've got a solution for that in, in, in five minutes. Excellent. Uh, 3A, which boy lightened my workload <laughs> this weekend with, um, the Simeon and St. Ignatius losing in the semifinal. We had no title, uh, game local representative, so I didn't have to write a story for the paper. Um, I guess let's start off with St. Ignatius. Uh, what did you think of their, um, kind of semifinal performance? I just, I, I, it's more, I, I kept thinking back to the whole season and how they ended up where basically we all kind of thought they might end up. And I, I thought they, you know, I, it was hard because Richard Barron was, if you watched it, I mean, he's playing on one leg for the whole game. So he was limping around. He was clearly on himself. So you, I mean, if you take Richard Barron out of the equation for them, and it, it really becomes a, a a tough road for them to to come up with a big win on uh, in, in a state tournament, state semifinal game without your leading scorer really being a huge threat. So that was that took some something away from me um, with the Ignatius loss. Yeah, I didn't get that personally. You didn't, you didn't get what? Why was he on the floor? When he couldn't move? Yeah. I mean, I asked him after the yeah, game. I, he said he wanted, he, what he said was he'd done it before. There was a game earlier this season where his ankle had gotten tweaked or whatever like that and he played through it. Maybe he played, maybe he was be able to be effective, but he wasn't in no. this game. So I don't understand why he was on the court personally yeah I, you know it's obviously that's them and talking but you know a decision that they make based on what they see and how they how he feels i i don't know i mean he was clearly especially when he first came in i mean it was like dragging the leg um but uh yeah i i, 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 I you know my take on 3a what i mean this championship game to non-chicago great teams yes but what was the the performance from metamora in beating Simeon to me was pretty eye-opening. I had, I had watched Metamora play at Christmas, uh, 
And a lot can change. A lot can happen in two months. But I did not anticipate Metamora beating Simeon at all. Uh, and in fact, it was Metamora impressed me a ton of, of how, how, how good they looked. I thought Tyson Swanson was terrific. I, I had seen, I've, I've seen Ethan Kaiser play 20, 25 times in my, maybe more throughout the years in AAU. And, um, so I, I'm very familiar with him, but Tyson Swanson, I mean, he took over in that third quarter of that championship game and a 10, 10 old run or 10 point straight from him. I, I was just really impressed. I don't think they didn't win at all, but I was just, that's what my biggest takeaway from the 3A field was that they were way better than I saw them and, they really impressed me with how good they actually were, um, and particularly with the fact that both Metamora and Sacred Heart Griffin are playing without seniors. I mean, Metamora starts a senior, um, but come on. I mean, that that's 12 months from now. Those two teams could be really good next year. Yeah, I, my, I guess my biggest question, actually, from the whole state finals weekend was how the heck did Metamora completely, completely shut down the Rubin twins? I mean, I asked them, of course, about this in the press conference, and they said, you know, that was our focus, and we boxed out really well. Even guards boxed out. And in when I picture this game, I do, in the back of my mind, see Metamora players ferociously boxing people out. They did, and that's 100% true. However, I just don't see how that still could neutralize them that much. I mean, that's the one thing I would go back and watch if I could watch anything in this uh, from the weekend again. I'd probably watch that game just to keep an eye on how that happened because I didn't see anybody manage that all season long. And it was, and and especially when both Rubens were playing so much. You know, I I complained quite a bit earlier in the season of the podcast about Miles Rubin was not playing enough. Well, that's that was over now. He was in, I think he played more than Wes in that game, but Metamora did not let them dominate. And it wasn't like Ethan Kaiser, you know, out-rebounded everybody or shut everybody down. So it was really fascinating to me how Metamora was able to take those two guys out of the game. Yeah, eight points and seven rebounds combined uh, between Wes and Miles Rubin in that game. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they played 20, 29 and 27 minutes. So, yeah, I, I – yeah. I'll also say um, the something that stood out to me. I, I really get into the, the the basketball part of of kind of analyzing just teams when I different styles. And Danny Greaves is a coach. A guy can coach, uh, and and I didn't know much about his history or you know even the recent success that that program's actually had under him until looking at it, but then actually watching his teams play, they were extremely, extremely well-prepared for Simeon. Uh, and I, I think what I also noticed about Simeon is, like Simeon just, they were up, I believe, eight with five minutes left. Oh, yeah, yeah. And old Simeon, back in the day. Any Simeon? What, what, what they did, what they <laughs> yeah. did. Is they would just all right. We got the lead. Yeah. Get down four minutes left. We're we're spreading you out, and we're gonna wind this thing down. And you're you know, and they would finish it off. Um, 
it's just a little bit different approach. That was yeah, that was very strange to watch Simeon blow that at the end, which they, really they did. They blew that game. They 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 had it. They'd outplayed Metamora, frankly, and until that point. Yeah, it's for you know, yeah. yeah, it was just the last five minutes of the game. Yeah, uh, and, and it wasn't like Metamora was getting blown out. I mean, you know, it wasn't. Uh, they they even up to that point, I was like, okay, Metamora is better than I than I gave him credit for. And then poof, um, and, and and you could see the fans in that arena. I, that's something I don't know. I don't know if you did that. It was a particular three. I don't know if Kaiser hit it. Somebody hit a three, and I realized and I noticed. Okay, there's a way more fans cheering and going nuts than Metamore fans. I think it might have been the sophomore, maybe Tyler. May- that's the thing about. We talked about the juniors of Metamora, but Tyler Mason is the sophomore, I believe. Yeah. He, he hit some big shots. But how about the freshman? Matthew Zobrist, and he was in the title game, had some moments. I was really impressed with him. I think he's an interesting uh, high school player, at least, to watch going forward. Because, I mean, how many freshmen did we see do anything this year? Yeah. You know, much less somebody in the state title game. Um, the uh, It's interesting you mentioned it's Danny Greaves, right? Um, yeah. The uh, yeah. Metamora coach. In the uh, – Post game press conference, he actually got to talking about the uh, interview that he had at Metamora when he got hired. And, oh, really? Yeah, and he said um, they gave, basically gave him this long winded thing about how they're a football school and how you know if he's coming here, he can't, probably can't expect to win championships and that kind of stuff. That you know that's just not their thing with basketball. Yeah. And he said. You know, well, that's not acceptable to him. And that he, if that's what they think, that he has no interest in this job. And yeah. clearly, I mean, how long, do you know how long he's been the coach there? I meant to check. Um, it's about eight years, I okay. think. Okay. Uh, cause yeah, wow. Yeah, a li- little, yeah, 10 years. He was hired in 2011, 2012 was his first season. Yeah. It, they were, that was a fun team to watch. I really enjoyed, um, them and, and Sacred I, Heart Griffin. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, you mentioned a freshman and he, I know he didn't do much during the regular season and you looked up his numbers, but. Oh, I didn't. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, like one point. It's a game. Oh, wow. So yeah. he was, so he was clutching the uh, two most of all. Yeah. That's crazy. He, only, he only, he only played in 15 games. Um, oh, wow. Scored 28 points all year. But yeah, he clearly is yeah. a, is a piece that they're, they're going to have, you know, next year. Uh, so. You plug him in with four returning starters. That's going to be a fun team to watch. I know you don't watch over the summer, but um, yeah. they'll they'll play over the summer and get better and and look at the experience they gained with that run and that confidence. They just went and beat Simeon, you know, and, and this little central Illinois town with known for football goes and beats the big bad. And, Simeon program and lose in the most heartbreaking fashion I've ever oh. seen in my life in the title game. Oh my yeah. gosh! And, and, and that's probably oh. the biggest me- individual memory of the tournament is just anytime you get a buzzer beater in a state championship. That wasn't uh, just and, a and, buzzer beater. That and, was ridiculous. And, and, yeah, uh, he picked it a, up a, off a launch, the ground. Just kind of threw it. He literally oh, picked the ball up and, off the ground, turned around, and tossed it at the rim. Yeah. And how it went in. Oh, yeah. That was and insane. Just like, yes. like hung yeah. around the rim, bounced, <laughs> yeah. and then you're just waiting for it to fall out. And it fell in, game over. I so, can't yeah. imagine losing the state championship on that, on watching that. Oh, yeah. my god, Awful. Awful. Uh, but, yeah, Sacred Art Griffin, uh, I wrote about it, too. Just kind of the unsung guy that no one – 
talked too much about either before or is Zach Hawkinson. <laughs> he just put up massive, the biggest numbers in yeah. Champagne. Double double, both games. Uh, hit a clutch bucket at the end of regulation to send it to overtime when they were down two. Uh, there's just so many times I thought Metamore had it. Uh, so that, you know, I know it wasn't Chicago area, uh, teens, but th- that was a highly, yeah. highly entertaining game. Yeah. Uh, Hawkinson, um, I think uh, our buddy Scott Burgess tweeted out something about how he was reevaluating Zach Hawkinson's like ranking or, you know, looking at his, I'm like, well, no crap. He's literally yeah. the best player on the floor in multiple. Yeah. He was, he, he was tremendous. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, who knows about recruiting, but college, yeah. uh, high school basketball wise. High school wow. basketball wise. He's yeah. a, yeah. You know, I mean, as an evaluator, he's kind of that in that, the tweener size, six, five inside trying to, you know, he did hit some threes this year, not a lot, but, you know, but he's got a year. A big spring and summer ahead of them. Uh, and they're, and they'll, they've got a chance to repeat as state champs. So. Um, I guess we'll hit quickly. Yorkville Christian won. I'm sure everybody knows. I really enjoyed watching Liberty, both games, the teams they played and, um, or sorry, the, the first, boy, I'm losing it. The semifinal game. And then I thought Liberty really did a nice job of giving us a 1A title game because I was kind of worried it was going to be horrible. Um, on my way to Peoria, after I saw Liberty, I had a little bit of confidence that they were going to at least, you know, give them something to play against because they had some size and they were gutsy kids. And they did, so the the 1A game was not horrible. It was close for three quarters, really. Uh, Liberty stuck with them. 2A, uh, we had DePaul Prep won, or I'm sorry, they lost the semifinal in the double overtime game, set a bunch of records for not much scoring. Uh, Monticello beat Rockridge and... To be honest, I did not watch the Monticello-Nashville title game. Um, I saw the end. I actually only watched one 2A game. Uh, that was DePaul and Nashville. So that was the only 2A game, and it wasn't – I know people are into the whole double overtime thing. Um, I I was I was interested from the standpoint of it's the Chicago area team that I've watched and know and – but it was not the most appetizing uh, game to watch. So, you know, I, I just, I don't even remember what I was doing during National Monticello. <laughs> I just yeah. didn't. I went to get it. some lunch and then went back and saw the end and got a nice clip of Nashville blocking a shot to win it. Nashville, though, man, I think this is the third or fourth time I've seen them at state in the last few years. That's a solid program, huh? Well, hey, you win a title with combined total points of sixty-three. In two games. Can't beat that. Or 30, <laughs> 30, 31 points in the semis, 32 in the fan. And that's an extra eight minutes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Champagne Joe, a format, Champagne. Should we start with the place? Should we start with the format? What's your takeaway overall? What'd you think? Uh, you and I talked briefly on the phone, uh, about it and a little bit there briefly. And, and I wrote about it in a story today. IHSA, big winner. Uh, I just wish they gave you some validation, even though I don't, I can see it with my own eyes, but that the attendance figures, and I know that's your big thing too, getting people in the building, making it an atmosphere and a vibe of a state caliber, uh, experience. And it did that. Uh, when you have a big crowd and particularly in that arena, which is, 
and those that have never been there since the remodel, it's just, it's not really the same place, uh, as it used to be. It's, it was pretty cavernous and cold and it's a little, it's still big, obviously, but the structure didn't change. They just changed the inside, the bowels of the place. But yeah, I, I think it was a win for the IHSA is a win for, the team's playing because they were able to play in front of fans in an environment. Helpful that a lot of these teams brought fans. Uh, I am not, I know you and I talked about this and you can expand on it your own, but I, I'm not a big, I will never like semifinal, the biggest games you're at 10 a.m. Um, I cannot stand the fact that we play third place games at night at prime time when people could turn on televisions and watch and, it just feels like a time where you would play a big game. I I, I can't stand it, and that it, it just there, there seemed to be some breaks. And this is just nitpicking because overall it was a success, a huge success. But it's also not hard to beat what we were coming off of, uh, which was a absolutely dead state tournament. That thing was dead yeah. in Peoria, and so anything was going to be better in my mind. We'll let it play out. I, I don't know what to do about the complaints that I have without eliminating the third place game. And I've been a proponent of the third place game over the years. Historical part of it, having a third place and a fourth place team. I look at all the records over the years. Oh, they finished third and fourth. I am changed in my tune. I no longer want a third and fourth place game. <laughs> uh, I, th- I came up with a solution. They still get a trophy. This trophy just says state qualifier. So you get the same big old trophy. doesn't say third place. It doesn't say fourth place. It says state qualifier, class 4A state qualifier. Go home with your trophy. Other than that, I don't know. Go play at Centennial High School or Champaign Central. <laughs> I don't care. I it, There's the crowds. Obviously, the teams from every – I shouldn't say this. As matter of factly, Mike, but everybody told me there was nobody at the games. I I, I didn't see the third place games. I, I heard head count. Somebody I know was there and counted two hundred and fifty people. Well, I mean, w- w- for do you know which? Like the, I mean, come on. I what what are we playing it for then? Just so they can kids can go play a game that they're not really fired up to play on on a college court. Yeah, I, it, it, it's it's everybody knows my stance on this. And right. It was after ten at night too. Everything and, gets moved back, so it's super late. And yeah. and you can expand on something maybe that you talked to me about why they. Yeah, your idea about state qualifier though, uh, Doug Hammer, buddy of ours on Twitter, he had mentioned. I like his wording better than yours, Joe. If you put right. on the trophy, state finalist. That sounds fancy. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, 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 it. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, you get they, a, call it the, they call it the state finals. Yeah, so you get a state so, finalist trophy. That sounds awesome. And, and, and you can still put the banner in your gym, yeah. state finalist. You yeah. have the you have the trophy, state finalist. You know, if you're just playing these consolation games by themselves, it was bad enough when they were playing right before the championship game. But at least, I don't know, it kind of felt like, okay, it's like the preliminary whatever. Now it's just like, okay, guys, just go away. Go play your little game and... <laughs> Tell us who won. <laughs> I don't, there's no value in this thing anymore. And 
and, and what I want to see is, well, first of all, are you going to talk about why they? What yeah, they yeah, I, I'll give my talk whole, about um, that, yeah. and then I'm going to argue okay. with you why I'm, I want. To... <laughs> okay, That's um, as right. as everyone, I, I came up with a solution <laughs> yeah. per our conversation that we talked about. As it. everyone listening knows, I was very much against these morning and afternoon semifinals and hated the third place games at night. So I, I drove to Champaign with this on my mind, and yeah, I hated it. I thought it was really stupid. And then I was there, and the crowds were great for, especially the 1A and 2A, I thought, which I thought was going to be the worst, because they were the smallest schools, and it was the weekday. You know, to me, Friday, or sorry, Thursday seemed a lot more difficult for somebody to take off, or, you know, whatever, than the Friday. But the 1A and 2A crowds were really nice, I, I thought, for the semifinals. And 3A and 4A, I thought they were average. Um, you know, Bolingbrook had some issues and didn't get their fans there, but... It could have been better, but it was better than Peoria by far. And I didn't, I wasn't in the building for the third place, so I didn't have to worry about it. And from the start, my only goal, you know, people think I hate Peoria or this or that or whatever, or hate my, all I've ever wanted was for there to be people at these games. I don't care if you hold them in Des Moines on a Tuesday afternoon, if somebody comes, I just wanted people there again. And so my own personal preferences don't matter to me as much as people being there. And so there were people there. And so I no longer have a complaint with it. And talking with uh, IHSA folks, they brought up something that I'd never heard before and that I'd never thought about. I thought it was really interesting. And they said that the schools themselves prefer the morning and afternoon semifinal games because that way they can get the buses from wherever you're coming from, you know, Glen Ellen, Liberty, wherever you can get the, the fan buses with the students can go to the game and can get them home at a reasonable hour. And they say more kids are going to go. It's just going to be better if we can get these kids there and back and not late in the middle of the night. And that because it was something I never even thought about, and then to hear that the schools actually had thought that far ahead and liked that. And I looked around and saw it was true. I mean, St. Ignatius, massive crowd. You know, it, it, it seemed like a truth that someone said to me. And I can get behind that. Makes sense. <laughs> I still have my own preferences. So my individual. See, I, now, this would require getting rid of my third place game. And still kind of achieve what you just said. I mean, I, I get not getting home at taking these buses and getting them home late. But if you get rid of the third place game, you the third place games, you can go like 12 and one thirty, come back and play what five and six thirty, And nobody's getting home. Everybody's getting home early, except for the last game. They're getting home at, I don't know, 10, 30, 11. So that to me is my answer. And again, as somebody, I don't think the IHSA will ever even consider getting rid of the third place game. I just think it would, I think it would draw more fans. I think um, th they did. Um, you know, I'll give they, you, the, they, they did what they sent out, you know, this is my memory's horrible, but I remember going through this. The IHSA has been, obviously we've seen, they were open to change with mm -hmm. this. They've not been intractable, you know, and I, from what I remember, someone please correct me if I'm wrong. They asked the schools, do you want to keep the third place games? And the schools, by a slight majority, like I think less than 60%, said yes. However, I don't think, 
and again, I could be wrong here, but they were not given the format. They didn't say, do you want to play the third place games in prime time and play the semis in the morning? And then it passed with a, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's how you ask the question, I think, a little bit. Because every coach I talked to, nobody was into this that actually had to play in it. I guess I didn't ask Brian Tucker. I didn't hear Barrington what they thought. But, you know, Rob Bros thought it was ridiculous and didn't know what he was going to do. And yeah, they, they were they were not into it. Robert Smith, obviously, that was a mess. So so I don't... Oh, especially if you lose, like, a heartbreak. I mean... Yeah. It, 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 it's just the time lapse in the old format. And, and again, I, they still would come out a little flat and just go out. And usually they're just going out to have fun. But it's like a, it's like another 24 hours for you to kind to, to kind of accept the loss and be like, you know what? Yeah, man, this is awesome. We did have a great season. Uh, let's just go out and have some fun. But hours later no. is a lot different. It's always horrible. Imagine if Robert Smith was retiring and his. That was his last game. Yeah. That's <laughs> gross. That's vomit inducing. Imagine if Braden Huff. And Glenbird West, this tremendous season they had, they had to go put on the uniforms and play in some crap show with in front yeah. of forty fans. It's gross. All right, <laughs> let's start the movement. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I am I wrong I'm here? Ready. I mean, who wants to watch no, a, a great I, player go out in that in front of forty people? No, and they're still getting a, a trophy. Yeah. Uh, my my fear after the newness of all this wears off, people have did their little tour of. Champagne and yeah. Assembly Hall or State Farm Center, and you know there's not a mega attraction like this unique Glenbard West deal. It kind of all just kind of goes away over three, four, or five years. I think it ultimately, and I could be wrong, turns into a one day event where because I know a lot of people I talk to, the the basketball fans. Not of the teams, but just traditionally get into it, go down. A lot of them said, I'm just going to go down Saturday and that's it. Because, and a lot of them are, the, the reason was, I, I, you know, a, a few of them, I should say, they would be the big school state tournament and they just weren't into watching the small schools. It's just fine. Uh, it's, they play those, I mean, that's a big chunk of time, Mike. If you watch those semifinal games, you're done by dinner on Friday and you don't have another game to watch until what time's that 3A title game start? It's like on 5.30. Seven. So, I mean, it's a yeah. 24 hour, like, what do I do? Where am I going? I mean, I, I mean, I guess you can, for people that didn't, that are really new to all this, <laughs> I mean, if you go the old, old way, wow, I, Remember, they had the Elite Eight when it was Class A and Class AA. They would play four quarterfinal game. Now, this is this is heaven for the diehard high school basketball fan. They would play four quarterfinal games on Friday, you know, Class AA, uh, morning-afternoon session combined, and then an evening session. Come back with the semis in the morning of Saturday. And then the championship, you're playing three games in, in, in 24 hours, which was just like, uh, I don't know, it was almost like too much basketball, but that's a big shift from what we're seeing now. Uh, you think about these 1A, 2A, what's interesting that I don't know if you take into account. Somebody pointed out to me too. 
you play those semifinal games on Thursday and you have a day and a half to prep. Like for the first time ever, no team's ever had like a full day and a half to prep for a state championship game. So that was interesting with the, uh, particularly the 1A game, you know, Yorkville Christian playing, uh, their 1A game in title game. That team had some time to prep a little bit for, for Yorkville Christian. I mean, obviously, we, we the two class basketball system was way better. It was, it was like the for those wondering if you've been gone to Pontiac and enjoyed the last two days, that's what it was like back then. And there's so much talk, and everybody's when the semis are in the morning and the titles are at night. It it's such a cool thing to spend those oh. hours looking forward to the game and talking oh, about yeah. what you just yep. saw. You know, it's a buzz that can't be replicated. Um, with our current stuff. So obviously, yeah, that, that would be way better, but I, I'm just, and I've seen a lot of people, you know, a lot of reporters, a lot of people, everybody's trying to change the format. I don't want to, I spent the last how many years complaining and trying to change the format and trying to move this thing and trying to get something better. I'm not worried about that now. I felt like I just had something better. I, that, that moment, that last half of the three, a title game, when that place was packed with fans for the 3A and 4A game, I'm not going to lie. I'm not sure I ever thought I was going to see that again. I thought maybe those days were just gone. And it wasn't going to matter where we were, what happened. I hoped Champagne would bring him out. And he may be this new Saturday, but I didn't know for sure. And so I'm just going to, I'm celebrating what a success that was. And maybe it will die down a bit after Champagne. And, you know, we also had two years of pent up, no state tournament, you know, that kind of thing. So I think Joe's point about maybe becoming a one day event, I think that's likely. However, I don't care. It, to me, a one well, day event would be better but, than a no day event, which is what we yeah, had before. But I just, I, 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 I just think when you do it one time and say, oh, okay, that, that, that was good enough that I think you can still tinker with it and make it better. And, uh, hey, I just say should be celebrating. They had fans. Now, real quick, I got a question for you. Yeah. All right. You were live on, um, Thursday for the 1A semi, both those sessions, semifinals. Yeah. And anytime we've talked about this, you have repeatedly over the years told me, Joe, I'm terrible at this. Uh, how many people oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> were at that those those two sessions? If you had to guess, I have no idea. And the uh, wor- no, the worst part is, and some because somebody asked me on Twitter how it compared. That's not something I usually went to in Peoria, like ever, because it was, you know, the Friday of the sectional finals. So I don't even know how it compares to Peoria. Because if you look at, know. you know. You had the unique experience of that title game. The three A game went double overtime. Clearly, everybody that was coming just to the four A game was already there. Yeah. So it was a perfect. You look around. If the place holds, I think it holds fifteen. I thirteen. Fair to say twelve, twelve five. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I there's no doubt in my mind that there were more than ten thousand people there. Yeah, uh, definitely more ten. Yeah, and and I would say if you combine, you didn't quite get that on Friday because they were coming and going a little bit. And but I mean, what I'm what I'm getting to is this, um, and, and it's kind of sad because I've been working on this historical piece on attendance, 
and we're coming up with these numbers, how great they are. And I started adding them up and I'm like, Oh, I was looking at the 1970s and 1980s numbers. They were drawing over a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand between A and double A. There was no Netflix or video games, Joe. Isn't that crazy though? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, everything's, it's crazy. But yeah, everything. I mean, they were averaging every yeah. single session, they were averaging like 13,000 or more. Uh, and, and, you know, we, they probably got to one session of, of that, that amount. But again, I, they were in the, you know, the twenties, um, in Peoria. Yeah, they, uh, we will, even if they don't announce, um, attendance numbers, which I feel like they probably won't since they haven't been at the end of the year. But uh, why? I, I don't know why. To me, it's like, why, why celebrate it? I know. I'd hey, be look. throwing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and I write this in my, interrupt you. Yeah. Sorry. Yes, I, I wrote this in my, uh, an article I wrote and I'm going to put it in my new one and I talk about it. I still remember as a kid, all, all the years that they kept attendance numbers, they would do this big announcement. At the end, during the state championship game in Assembly Hall, I can't remember if they did it in the early years of Peoria. I don't remember for sure. Where they would literally announce the attendance figures and thank all the IHSA, thanks the great fans of Illinois, and kind of make a big deal about it. And people would actually cheer and celebrate that, you know, the numbers were what they were, and, and then you would compare them. And I, just to ignore it. I mean, I, 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 I just think it's stupid. Oh, it is. Cause people want to go to something that people go to. So you're going to get more people if you tell people what a success it was. That's just human nature. I mean, so that would be great. We, I'm just in the kind of nerdy, um, journalism dorky way. We will get the, the IHSA releases their finances and there's a line on that every year that says how much revenue the boys basketball mm-hmm. tournament brought in. And so that number will be if they don't tell compare. us, yeah, you can compare, you exactly. can compare, yeah, past years of the money brought in. That'll be our yeah. our closest way to tell. And now I also, and I don't know if this is true, I could be completely because I have, I think you mentioned on the last podcast that you had no idea, or maybe somebody else did, I can't remember, about ticket prices yeah. uh, being different. Yeah, I didn't. That they ask. were more that yeah. they were more money. Yeah. This year, then like they're just like twenty were... bucks. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I don't even know what they were charging in Pure. I have no clue what they were charging. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So that'll be in it. Well, but you can do your math. But yeah, it's. I guess yeah. I, we should wrap this up. It's a season uh, in the books. We got a full season, Joe. We we, we got through it all. It all happened. <laughs> we we did a new state tournament format and uh, venue and. I feel like we've set ourselves up for a much better year and, you know, hopefully everything with the world goes all right and we can watch these kind of teams improve and we're going to have teams next year that we can talk about their playoff run, like Lamont, you know, and Metamore mm-hmm. and Sigurdar Griffin, how, how much better they're going to be because of that. And I feel like next year we can really get back to normal because we're going to have had a full varsity season under our belts and that is a great feeling. And I'm not going to, let's not, I feel like we've ended a lot of years on a lie where we were going to come back. Uh, (laughs) Off season podcast. Yeah. I'm not going to lie this year. No, you just keep that tradition. No, I'm done. Cause it, cause it gnaws in my head all off season. Like, oh, we told him we'd come back with this. Maybe we'll have an off season. uh, We will not. 
We will not be back, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for reading. Maybe this will be, maybe this will be the year that they surprise, we surprise them by saying no. And no, actually, it's not happening. Oh, all right, I'm not happening. I, I want right. to. I want to thank everybody that um, I had. A, I you know I had a Twitter kerfuffle over the weekend, and I want to. So many people reached out to me via phone and text and DM. So many flattering things were said. Thank you all. I'll try to get back to all of you, but I really appreciate all the support and everybody that subscribed to the Sun-Times to keep this thing going because those numbers were fantastic, and that's going to mean a lot with the new ownership that's coming in. So from the bottom of my heart, thank all of you for all your support over the last few years to keep Sun-Times high school sports coverage alive. But despite all that, we're still not coming back with a podcast until November. We'll be back in November and enjoy your spring. Enjoy your summer.